Welcome to episode 53 of the Thunder Underground podcast. I'm Trent, and as always, joined by Jason. Hello, hello. Hello. We've got a good one this week. We've got Eddie Green from Even the Dogs. We're going to get into all that here in just a bit. We're going to play an Even the Dogs track. Yes. And all kinds of great stuff. But of course, we wanted to cu- we wanted to talk about a couple other things before we get into that. Yes. One being, uh, speaking of dogs, today is my dog's birthday. Is it really? He's nine, which wow. means he's like 60-something. Yeah. So he's an old man. 63. Yes, 63. Yeah. He's an old man and he's still kicking. So happy birthday to Merck. And for those of you that don't personally know Jason, he's named after... Yes, he's named after Freddie Mercury. Yeah. So, I mean, how, how could you not love that? Exactly. <laughs> well, happy birthday to Merck from Damn everybody straight. else. Damn straight. Well, we both had a pretty eventful weekend. Yes, we did. I was out of town. I went to WrestleMania 32. Yeah, yeah. How was that? That was a blast. Okay. Yeah. Did uh, any rock bands come up out of the stage? No, I didn't. Triple H? Oh. That didn't, didn't get that lucky this time. Well, oh, obviously, okay. it couldn't be... Motorhead. Yeah, like, true, true. Well, the time, the time they came out of stage, I wasn't there. I yeah. was. They they played with them twice. Oh, okay. Gotcha. I was there the first time, which was fifteen years ago, WrestleMania did, seventeen. Did you go when Living Color play at WrestleMania? No, when was that? I completely forgot about that. Didn't they? Didn't they? Oh, go yeah, and they play did. Were for CM Punk. I That's thought. That's right. Yeah, three. That was like three or four years ago. Okay. They played Cult of Personality. That's right. But no, I haven't been actual WrestleMania in 15 years because it's oh, the wow. first time it's been back in this area of the country. Well, but, true. But yeah, that was great, great fun. And I know at the same time this weekend you caught the local show. Yes, I uh, went down to the Shrine in Tulsa. <clears throat> saw Oklahoma Braves, Driver, uh, Motor Train, and Gulch. And uh, all four bands put on kick-ass shows. Finally got to see Oklahoma Braves. Finally, I still haven't finally seen them, which sucks. But. You, st- you still haven't <laughs> seen them. You still haven't finally seen them. You know, still you know. Right. But I mean, I'm saying you got to see these guys. I was so stoked to finally get to see uh, Oklahoma Braves. They kicked the night off. Uh, you know, you you hear those songs on. Uh, you know, you can get the little uh, bullet USB. Go to Reverb Nation. Uh, you hear those songs, but I mean, uh, they sound just as great live, and they've got more songs and uh, just a great stomp southern feel. And uh, you know, I got to talk to Steve Ray a little bit, and they put on just an amazing set. You know, uh, Driver has always just sounded badass. I mean, they're they're a machine. Yeah. Uh, you know, just get out of the way when they're rolling through. <laughs> you know, for real. Um, it was so happy to see them. So did you see Mike's new drum drum kit? I did. I did. Yeah. It was... Uh, it was uh, well, obviously you saw it, you were there. But yeah, I mean, it was pretty sweet. Get it, up there pretty close and take a look. Yeah, it was, it was pretty sweet. Uh, he, he has a drum set like no other, and uh, it is to be seen for sure. <laughs> so... And then I uh, saw another band, Motor Train, which I thought was amazing. Uh, you know, you're going to love them. Yeah. Uh, you know, a good... Southern rock kind of thing, but also you got some kind of you got some kind of hot hot rod punk thing going on. It's just a great mix. Yeah, I see uh, that name all the time, and just it's just something I keep forgetting to look into. But yeah, people say a lot of great things. So glad to hear. Yeah, you gotta you gotta get into it. Uh, Gulch was badass. Uh, you know they were uh, they were pretty damn heavy and uh, brutal. So I mean it was just a it was a great night. Uh, good good local show. 
I saw a picture, I think, that Sprout posted. Was that, was he on stage with Gulch? I think or so. Motor train. I'm, I'm not I sure. Remember. I can't. Things things were getting a little sketchy for me towards the end of the night. Right. So if I can't remember <laughs> everything, please forgive me. I'm sure he was on stage with Gulch because they're from Kansas. So that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. But I don't know. Um. But it was uh, it was a great show and uh, a lot a lot of a lot of cool people there. I just had a great time. Cool. Well, yeah. Hopefully, uh, get a chance to see some of these bands again soon. I know. Oklahoma Braves is playing at Downtown Lounge on the 27th of April, yeah. opening up for Honky. And who else is on it? Uh, Grind. Grind, yep. And Grind, I know, is playing this weekend at Billy and Renee's with Skytown, I think. Yeah. Does that sound right? I yes. didn't look that up. I'm just winging this here. <laughs> but I think it's Grind and Skytown and maybe the Plums or something else. Someone else pretty good, too. Nice, nice. I just looked on on Motor Train's Facebook, and Sprout was playing with Motor Train. Oh, okay. My my yeah. uh, my, my my drunken self uh, lied. I apologize. <laughs> so, anyways, but it was a great night, and it was uh, badass for sure. And you said John Halata was out there too. Yes. So we got half a Screaming Red Mutiny out yeah. there representing. Cody Slane was there. Oh, nice. I mean, uh, yeah, it was it was. Uh, and they're all asking about you, man. Oh, you know? really? Well, that's, that's asking cool. where you were at. So uh, <laughs> you better get out there next time. Oh, I will. Okay. You know, I would have been there if I was in town for sure. <clears throat> cool, cool. All right, well, anything else big happen? I got Guns N' Roses tickets. Yes, you did. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, uh, and how I does know, that feel? It feels great. Really? Yeah. I know there's people out there. Like Kevin Graham, who's butthurt that people like Guns N' Roses. You know, I think I he's more butthurt that you like wrestling, but whatever. <laughs> hey, I don't I don't care what people think about anything. I like Roxette. I like Ice Cube. I like Sheryl Crow. I'm just throwing it all out there. Oh, God. I used to watch Beverly Hills 920 and loved every second of it. There you go. <sighs> Man. <laughs> well, we just lost a, a lot of listeners on that one. Right. But, um... Well... Here's the thing, though. You know... You know you're going to have to wait till like 3 in the morning for them to go on. Oh, I doubt that. They never <laughs> did that back in the day. You're I exaggerating. Know, I know. I'm giving you a hard time. <laughs> anyway, I got pit tickets, which is what I was hoping for, and that's what makes it makes How it long special. did that take? How long did what take? You must have got in there quick to get that. No, actually, I got in there quick, and instantly I had just like 15th row seats or something behind the pit, and then I... Almost bought it, and I just said, screw this, and then just dumped them out of my cart and just started refreshing. And they kept getting worse, and then all of a sudden, after a few minutes, they kept getting a little bit better, because I guess it got past that point where people, where you have like five minutes to do yeah. it, or it drops out. Yeah. So once it got to like 10.06, 10.07, then they started getting a little better, and then all of a sudden, it said two pit tickets <clears throat> at like 10.09, so it was worth the risk, and Jesus. I got it. That, you know, remember when you used to be able to, like, camp out for tickets? Yeah. And now you just have to have really quick fingers. Right. That's bullshit. Yep. Well, speaking of that, I know that that comes up later in this conversation we're about to get into. I remember Eddie Green brought up the Guns N' Roses thing yep. at some point. It's kind of fuzzy because a lot of stuff has <coughs> went, on, went on since we recorded that. But Yeah, well, real quick before we get into... So do you think do you think Adler Izzy is going to show up at any of these shows? Yeah, I okay. think so. I don't. Good. I don't think it'll be an every show thing. 
and if they do, obviously it'll be like a few songs. Yeah. And I could see, I could see like an Adler thing being part of the whole tour where he comes out for a few songs every night. Yeah. I don't see Izzy agreeing to do that. Yeah. Because he never wanted to do that in the first place. So. Yeah, he's a loose cannon. He's yeah. his own thing for sure. Which, speaking of, I don't know, did I bring this up before? I might have, but those videos that he posted online. Yeah. Go look those up. I know you have. I'm not. I'm not talking oh, to you. Oh yeah, I'm talking no. To the microphone. Everybody should look those up. Yeah, like there's recent videos of, of Izzy playing "Stuck in the Middle of You." Yeah, and then there's an another song. I can't remember what the other song was. It wasn't as big a hit. Just an old '60s song. Yeah, and just him sitting on his back porch playing the acoustic guitar, singing. Yeah, and they're awesome. Yeah, yeah, definitely worth checking out. We're gonna talk about Eve of the Dogs now. Let's uh, let's play the song. Yeah, let's play this song. We've got. Even the dogs with their brand new single. This song's called Optimist.
That was Optimist from Even the Dogs. That's their brand new single, just came out a couple weeks ago. That's going to be on their forthcoming album that's coming sometime this summer. Another great track from these guys. They had another single which came out uh, later last year called Ghost. And this is along the same vibe as that. Yeah. Just this real, you know, precise, just this badass metal sound. I, I love the I love the vocals on everything they've done. I know on this one the clean vocals are done by the guitarist, not Eddie. Okay. And but Ghost, that's him, and all the previous stuff's him. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it just sounds just sounds phenomenal. I mean, they're a great band. I love what you said in that review you did last year, where they kind of have that. Scandinavian feel like yeah. soil work and stuff. Yeah, they have that melodic death thing, yeah. you know. And then they yeah. also have the you know the American sound too, the kill switch, all that oh, kind of yeah, stuff. Oh yeah, definitely. All mixed together, and it's just a a great band that I'm really excited to see. They're playing Rocklahoma this year. They played last year. I'm really looking forward to seeing them. Yeah, and, I mean they they've got a uh, lyric videos up for these songs, Optimist and Ghost. Go check them out. I mean. Just a powerhouse, a barn burner of a song. I mean, it'll just rip your face off. Right. Uh, great stuff. And uh, we were glad to uh, talk to Eddie there for a little bit. Yeah, these this song and the previous stuff, that EP called They'll Never See It Coming a couple years ago. Great stuff as well. You can get all their stuff on all the, the sites where you can buy music. Amazon, iTunes, all that great stuff. You can find them on, like you said, YouTube. Look up Optimist, even the dogs. Well, with all that being said, is it time to just get right into this? Yeah, let's do it. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I wish the rest of the band could have could have got out here, but we're all kind of scattered. With drummers in Midwest City, our oh, yeah. bass players in Okmulgee, our lead guitarist just moved out to Monkey Island. Wow! So the only one even close is our rhythm guitarist, and he's still working. So I was like, you know what? I'm the voice of the band anyway. I might as well just do it. There you go. There you go. So, so how does all that work for? You know, rehearsal right now. We've been doing the same set for. With the exception of the two new songs that we have in the set, we've been doing the same set for a couple of years. We've this new album has turned into Chinese democracy, is what it's turned into. <laughs> um, we're pushing really hard. In fact, I was supposed to go cut vocals tonight, but it's it's one of those situations that our producer is so slammed right now. He's launching a, a new venture called Route My Tour that is going to basically change the whole face of the game for independent bands. It's it will allow them to be their own booking agent with access to every major venue you know that they can play it'll have major event venues but it'll take the booking agency out of the equation and it puts all the power in your hands which is kind of where we are we signed with warner brothers in 2010 and it was the worst experience of my life wow. would never sign a major record deal ever again <laughs> so at least i would sign with us with a smaller label like face down or you know somebody like that, but I would never sign with a major again. It was terrible. Yeah, and it just doesn't seem to make sense nowadays, anyways. Well, no, because we hired a really highfalutin manager. Um, he had managed everybody from Kiss, Black Oak, Arkansas, you know, Leonard Skinner, and you know, I mean, he had he had worked with some big pop evil. He had worked with some big guys, and it just seemed like all we were doing was giving him money. 
You know, I was like, we'd show up and we'd play shows and he'd just have his hand out and he wasn't doing a whole lot for us. And he didn't like the discussion we had with him. We're pretty business savvy about what we do. You know, whenever we went into the label, we set our own terms. You know, we said, you know, here's how much we're willing to tour. Here are the masters for the completed full length album. Here's $10,000 worth of artwork for the album. Here's the video ready for Headbangers Ball. Here's our entire merchandise line. We're going into you debt free. All you're going to do is duplicate however many physical units you're going to distribute worldwide, which only ended up being about 1500 bucks because physical distribution has really fallen by the wayside. So we're out about 750 bucks, you know, to the label. They were in shock, you know, because we had our own production, everything. We retained all of our publishing rights. They were like, wow, you know, because we were going through the contract. Nope, 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 nope. You know, they were just like, they were like, and they were like, I don't know if we can do that. And I'm like, oh, I don't need you. Good luck, you know? So they were like, what do you mean? I said, the only thing I want you for is distribution. That's it. I just want the ADA Warner distribution. That's it. I could care less about the rest of anything you want to do for us. I said, because we're doing okay. You approached us, so we obviously got your attention, you know? And it was, it sounded kind of pompous, but you have to be that way with them because they're going to screw you regardless. And we got screwed. We never saw a dime of royalties and we went in debt free. Not one single dime. Oh, wait, I take that back. I got a dollar and 15 cent check from ASCAP Europe. That was it. Wow. Man. I framed it. <laughs> so did the album get released? It did. It went to 39 countries. Um, it's terrible. It's a, it's a horrible album compared to where we are now. At the time, we were a four-piece. It was self-produced. We thought it was deep. Artwork was gorgeous. I mean, our art with the lady that does Lamb of God and... God forbid, and a lot of these different bands did our artwork, and she gave it to us. She was like, this is awesome. She was going to charge us like 600 bucks for $10,000 worth of art. Wow. I tried to pay her, and she wouldn't let me. Wow. And it was beautiful. The songs themselves were good, just horribly produced. So we don't even tell people about that album because <laughs> it is just bad. I mean, compared to where we are now, you know, it is it's just bad. Our producer changed the whole face of the game for us. So we're produced by Kyle Simpson and Atomic Studios, and and he is just he produces Fight the Fade, he produces a guy from Jonah Thirty Three, um, he does some pretty decent names, but he gives us we don't pay a dime for recording, for production, for mastering anything. He believes that much in what we do. We, yeah. He does everything for us for free. Wow. Yeah. So we are so <laughs> blessed in 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 that in that respect because. Now, granted, we kind of have to operate on his time constraints, mm-hmm. you know, so that's why it's turned into Chinese democracy, but we also, too, and we can talk about this whenever you guys are ready, but this album is so different than anything we've done because we wrote this in the studio 100%. Not one of these songs were ever rehearsed or played live. They were basically Lego construction. Yeah. Walk in with a riff, and we'd build on that riff, and then we would do this, and we would do that, and then I'd go in and go, okay, well, let's try to cut some vocal lines to that. So you mentioned rehearsal. We played a backing tracks and clicks and everything so that we're so tight, and it is going to be a legit... We're going to take two to three months just to rehearse the album before we can ever play it live because none of us have ever played these songs <laughs> as a band. It'll be different. It's going to be a big roller coaster ride. You know, it's it's not going to be anything like what you're expecting. It's there's everything from a piano ballad to some alt indie type stuff to Whitechapel to <laughs> everything in between. It's just the craziest 
full length you'll ever it'll there'll be something for everybody on it yeah so we're excited about it well uh i mean you know you've put out the optimist what's the response been to that it's been good um i wish it would have garnered some more plays we are not a kind of the kind of band that cheats um you know because you can buy boosts and plays on youtube and all that and if really if i was going after a major record deal i may spent drop that money mm. to do that but we really want 100 percent integrity in, in what we do um you know it got 400 and some odd plays in the first 24 hours you know it, it it's hm magazine's already reached out to us and they're really excited they gave us four out of four stars on the last on the ep so you know they're wanting to hear more the critical side of life is is wanting to hear more but what surprised us the most was how many musicians were sharing it and that's how we know we're making an impact if your peers like what you do. You know, your fans, fans are fickle. They can, they can sit there. You'll see 200 people show up for a garage band of teenagers that suck. So fans are a little harder to trust. It's the critical aspect that we look at and go, you know, are we putting good music out? What, is, what do they think about it? What do our peers think about it? What do people like you from Thunder Underground that, that listen to music all the time? You know, what do you guys think about it? That's what where we really take heart. We know we have a fan base, but what are the critical people say? And it's been very well received. It, it, it followed up. Ghost was actually the first single. And a year later, well, I guess we better throw something else out there because we're getting ready to release an album this summer, hopefully. You know, so we threw Optimist out there. Realistically, I would have went in a different direction. Um, but Optimist has our lead guitarist singing on the course as opposed to me. So I wanted to kind of showcase him too and show that okay. we have another facet of what we do. That, that was going to be one of my questions because the, the vocals switch so quick and... And I was like, is there two guys doing that or is there one? And because I mean, it's, it's just brutal to just clean like that. Now, ninety nine percent of the time, it is me. Okay. Um, okay. Like on Ghost, that's all me. Yeah. Um, there's no <clears throat> other backing vocals on that. I can do what Blaine's doing, but I went in and I cut it, and I didn't like the energy on it, and I was just it was something missing. And Kyle said, Blaine, go in there and give it a shot because Blaine sings the high harmonies and stuff. He went in there and did it, and he had this new metal, almost under oath-ish kind of, or not even under oath, um, like Emery style yeah. feel. And I was like, oh, that's sick. I like Leave It. I love that. His tone is just new enough that it worked. And then we tried it again on a brand new track called Mask that is absolutely freaking brutal. I mean, it is so good, and it's just got one line that's of each chorus that's being sung and then the rest of us just attacked it. I mean, and he went in and tried it and didn't work and I went in and cut it and it was like the same thing as Ghost. It was just, it just worked with me on vocal. And I've got that big Howard Jones style yeah. Yeah. voice, you know, where I, you know, just really get that. People don't understand how I do it and it's it's been a lot of training to be able to go from that brutal gargling lava and go broken glass to just pristine cleans and then right back in. It's it, it was challenging at first, but I've got it down now. I know how to do it. So <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Did you start one way or the other? I've always been a singer first. Okay. Um, I had to learn to to do the new metal style vocals. I it was not. I was an '80s metal singer. I was a screamer. I was Rob Halford, David Coverdale, Michael Matajevic, Mark Slaughter. You know, I was just. Wah! 
just that real Bruce Dickinson. And so whenever I tried to do the metal screams, it would come out like that. And I was like, you know, I'm like, it would come out as like high screams. So um, I studied with Melissa Cross, um, who does the Zenith Screaming series. And she saved my vocal life because I was well on my way to blowing everything out because I was doing it wrong. Wow. I was pushing way too hard and in-ears saved my life too. I had to go to in-ear monitors and we all run in-ears on stage, but that changed the whole face of the game for me, knowing how to scream correctly without injuring my voice. And I kind of had an epiphany. We were on tour and we were down in Dallas and there was a death metal, technical death metal band, a lot like Within the Ruins and Despise Icon and, mm-hmm. and that just exceptional band. And, and the guitar players looked bored. They're up there, all these sweep arpeggios, and they're up there talking to each other. I'm like, oh my god, because we we're not technical, we're not super technical. We're just we're pretty commercial, but these guys were just studs, and they were all like 17. I was like, I hate you, I hate you so bad. And um, but the singer could only inhale, could only do it like that. And I asked what happened. He said he was on tour and he was screaming and he blew his vocal cords and blood just started spewing out of his throat and onto the stage and. He'll never sing again. I was like, yep, I'm getting some training. Yeah, That is not going to happen to me because I am a singer first. You know, my vocal style, the things that I write is very sing, singer-songwriter type stuff. Like Mark Broussard or John Mayer, Joe Bonamassa. You know, that's really the kind of stuff that I write. And But I'm just a metalhead through and through. I, I love metal music. I love the outlet. And I love the intensity. And, and it's something that I'm going to do it until I can't do it well. You know, so... Was the brutal stuff hard for you when you first started it? It was because it's a different push than yeah. what you're used to. From I'm a classically trained vocalist, so I can do opera and I can do all that stuff. And it was one of those situations at the time before I started screaming. I had a five octave range. You know, I could hit every note that Halford hit. I used to cover Painkiller like to the T, and I would warm up with uh, Michael Matajevic and Mark Slaughter so that I could get my range ready to go. And, you know, get up there and do these big soaring Bruce Dickinson and Rob Halford screams. Well, the push was different, you know, and you have to constrict your vocal cords differently. So whenever you're doing the big guttural new metal screaming, you have to take your vocal cords and squeeze them around your real talking and singing set so that you don't damage them. And that push is like a, an in and up to get that pressure, that sound pressure. I actually have so much sound pressure, I popped the diaphragm on an SM58 mic. Wow. I was mid-scream. I was, I hit it, and you just heard it pop. So, and it was, um, once I learned how to do that correctly, then I had to get my volume up. Because you just start off doing it really soft. Like, you know, just kind of in the back of your throat, and you just start pushing a little harder and a little harder, and, and a little more air. And if you do it right, you can hold the scream. 30, 40 seconds, you know, long or longer if you're pushing and you're controlling your breath right. So, yeah, it did. It came out terrible the first, you know, few shows that I was trying it. It was just, it would break up and I'd sound like a metal singer going through puberty. It was so bad, you know, and I'd go back and watch the videotapes of the shows and it's just embarrassing, you know, and it is, it is a fine art. It's something you got to do your warm ups. If you don't do your warm ups, you know, before the show, these stupid wee oops and Z's and Miggy monkey whatever crap. 
if you're not doing it, and they make fun of me, but I'm like, you warm up with paradiddles, yeah. and you're over there doing sweeps, and you're doing this. This is my instrument. I have to protect it. And once you get your volume up, then you just walk out and kill it. You know, and the good thing is if you're doing it right, you can do it night after night after night after night. You know, but if you don't, you're hoarse the next day and the second show is worse than the first and by the third day you can't talk. <laughs> so <laughs> like that. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I'm sorry, I've had it all day. I apologize. No, it's all right. He had a show last night. Oh, did yeah, you really? Yeah. 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 All right. He's awesome. He's yeah, Madison Square Garden just <laughs> flew in for this. Uh, actually, I appreciate in, it. Mm. My living room screaming at my wife, but that's a completely uh, different heck story. Yeah. Heck yeah, I understand. Any, anyway, sorry about that. That's all right. Uh, but you mentioned Ghost was. A, I was going to ask you about that. Like since that came out so long ago, I thought maybe that was just a standalone single. Is that no, gonna it's it's going to be on the album. Um, the whole website. We're we're coming out with a whole brand new thing. Um, the album's going to be called Rebirth. Um, there was a sneak peek of the cover and and the album title in Optimus. Um, and it really is going to be just that mm-hmm. for us. It's a it's a complete reinvention um, of even the dogs because I believe bands get stagnant and set in their ways. And, you know, we're not a band that's out there like a kill switch engage or, or a five finger death punch that, that we have that kind of following where they're expecting consistency all the time. So we are in a great place to be able to do experimentation, you know, and be able to try some different things and still stick to our core kind of groove metal, new metal sound that that we have it's so hard to to categorize what we are you know because we we do go run the gamut and this album is going to showcase how versatile we really are as musicians um you'll just have to hear it i mean it's gonna surprise some people that are just diehard 100 metalheads are not gonna like it i'll tell you right now they're not if you are just pigeonholed and small-minded and the only thing you care about in life is, is metal and you don't listen to anything else like country music fans you know if if, if that's it then yeah there's going to be some tracks that are going to disappoint you you know um but if you are a musician's you know you like musicians and you like good musicianship this album is is going to shock you you know and there's just there's some periphery style stuff on there there's some really staccato Whitechapel stuff style on there there's the straight ahead ghost and mask and things like that there are stuff like um, Trivium you know or Ghost BC style stuff and it's just very different very every track is a different track so there's one that's just a straight ahead rock track called Cynical I mean there's no screaming there's no nothing in it it's just all singing so yeah, it's gonna surprise some people. Both cynical and the track one. Everything will be a one word title. Yeah. Um, the album's yeah. called Rebirth. Every song will be a one word title. Um, that we wanted to stay very simplistic in the approach and and still be able to convey a very deep, meaningful, thought provoking message at the same time. So it's a it's a challenging, lyrically challenging album. It, it'll challenge your intellect and a lot of introspection and and things like that too. You know, we wrote about some pretty deep dark subject matter you know the, but not so dark that it can't be understood yeah. just basically where people have been you know in their life things that they've experienced and so like Mask is about being one person and the world sees another you know and what happens whenever those fi- those two finally meet you know and 
So it's, you know, cynical same way as just about walking through life and glass is half empty and the cynicism that you have and, and whether or not you can overcome that and actually see, you know, the silver lining in life. And the end track is Betrayal. It's just a piano track in me on vocal and it's very dark and very haunting and very painful. Um, you know, Ghost is about hypocrisy. Um, Optimist is, is basically about the battle that you fight in life and never giving up and... You know, so it, it's it kind of runs the gamut. It's it's a very introspective album. We're really proud of the lyrical content on it. It's it's challenging. There's always that light at the end of the tunnel. You know, we try to be a really positive influence in a doom and gloom genre. That's kind of what we want to do. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's a that's a good curveball to throw people. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Instead of being mad all the time, because some of my favorite bands are <laughs> bands we played with, like Disturbed and Five Finger. I mean, they're the maddest people on the planet. <laughs> Just the power you get whenever you get to that level, I think is. I mean, we're so appreciative of our fans, man. We we hang out with them at IHOP. We worship the ground that they walk on because we don't get to do what we do if it's not for them. Yeah. You know, so we we treat fans a little differently. You know, we're we'll t- we'll drop everything we're doing for one autograph every time. You know, and it's because somebody looks up to what you do. Somebody at some stage in life has wanted to do what you do on stage, whether you're air jamming in the mirror, you know, whether you're playing air guitar in your living room at some point in everyone's life, they've wanted to be a musician and I get to live that, you know, and so I don't take that for granted for anything. You know, when you see those people singing the words back to you and you've got cold chills on stage, it brings tears to your eyes and because you've connected with that crowd. We've, after 20 years of touring, I've never forsaken any of that. Yeah. yeah. And I wouldn't do it if I was at Madison Square Garden. You know, I still wouldn't. It would still mean that much to me. I think people get that success at an early age and they just piss it all away. You know, it's like, oh yeah, I'm a god. You know, worship me. I'm, no, you're not. You put your pants on the same way I did this morning. <laughs> but I'm total fanboy when I play with those guys. Yeah. Oh, you signed my CD. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The last year at Rocklahoma, man, I saw Kerry King and I lost my mind. Oh, I'm jumping off the media cart because we're going to go do an interview in the media tent, and I'm like, oh my god, it's Kerry King. I, I scared him. He's like. <laughs> Turns around like that. Man, dude, I'm so sorry. I am such a fan. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it is. I am a total fanboy. Butcher babies. Yeah. Hanging out with him. I was drooling. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it's not hard to do. Yeah. <laughs> do you write all the lyrics? I write nice? most of them. I, I, I co-write a lot with our bass player. He's 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 um he's very much a, a literary, you know, guy. He he spends a lot of time in books. I hate to to read i hate it with a pack unless it's blurbs you know if it's blurbs blogs magazine articles things like that i'm good with that that's all i have the attention span for but you put a book in my hands and i'm just like oh god this is punishment but he's he's very much an intellectual and he will write i'm so straightforward most of the time but i can be influenced very easily if i i'll read like something like he'll send me like a verse and then i'll just explode and just immediately, like 10 minutes later, a song's done. But I have to be inspired. You know, I can't write the way most people do. Most people will sit down and just write song after song after song after song. We were on tour way back in the day. I was in a band called Recycled Souls, and we were on tour with a guy um, called a band called Radial Angel. They're really good. Had a big, shot, big song called She. And Jared, we were talking because we were sitting in the green room at a show, and 
I was like, so many songs, you know, do you have written for the next album? He goes, I have 1,300 songs written right now. Wow. I was like, no, you don't. <laughs> like that. And he's like, no, I'm serious. He goes, how many do you have written? I'm like, six <laughs> in a year. I like that. And he's like, well, I said, I have to be inspired. Something has to inspire me to write. And that's another reason that this has taken so long because I went through that writer's block where nothing was, nothing inspired me. Yeah. You know? Well, yeah. I mean, if you, if you just like try to do it every day instead of when it just comes to you. Yeah. He said he would write as many as 10 yeah. songs in a day. I'm like, how is that? There's no substance behind that. You know, yeah. we play the same three chords over and over and over like Garth Brooks, <laughs> but at least he's got some substance behind what, he, what he's writing, you know. Yeah. But yeah, it's I have to be inspired, and you know I'll run, I'll run on kicks to where I'll get really inspired, and I'll write a couple three sets of lyrics. And the funny thing is, though, is I don't have anything to base them on, so they're really almost kind of story form. Mm-hmm. And then I have to shape them and mold them to fit the music. Whenever I go in the studio, I'm yeah. like, well, that's way too wordy. That's <laughs> not going to work. How am I going to say this much and this much? You know. <laughs> Or and then you'll be like, well, that's not going to work, so let's go to the next set of lyrics and try that, or let's try that, or let's yeah. try that. I don't ever write any of the music. I, I can write decent music, but our guitar player comes in and shows me up. So I just <laughs> like, forget it. I'm not going to do it. I play guitar, but I'm not a guitarist. Yeah. So yeah. I'm a singer who plays guitar. I'm like John Bon Jovi. <laughs> <laughs> like you said, you guys wrote the majority of this album in, All in of a room. All of okay, it. Okay, all of yep. it. So, like, was that the first time you guys had worked that way? Yeah, it was. Um, we we went to Kyle and and we said, you know, we want. He said, I I don't want you guys to come in here with a bunch of rehearsed, contrived stuff. I want it to be fresh. And what happened with "They'll Never See It Coming" is we had already been playing those songs live, mm-hmm. you know, for for a while. So sometimes that's good because then the songs evolve, you know. The problem with recording the way that we're recording right now is that when you play to clicks and you play to backing tracks like Periphery and everything's set up on a PC, there is no place for any type of improvisation on stage or the things. It, it is you play it like the album, you yeah. know, and that it's good in its sense because whenever you get up on stage and you play like that, you're so tight. I mean, it is you cannot make a mistake. If you do, if you get all the drummer gets off on the click, you're screwed yeah. for the rest of the song. It is unless he can find it, you know. So yeah, it's not as spontaneous as you would see, but almost everybody that's big does it that way now. And but it fills your sound out, you know, so much because we've got so many things working underneath what we do. Everything from pad synths to alternate guitar parts to some really low embedded vocal stuff to you know all those kinds of things and it just enhances what you're doing so it's been a difficult process because you just may have a riff and that riff may just sit there you know and you it doesn't inspire you until maybe one day in the studio you're like play a riff again and be like then you just start writing you know so it's not rehearsed, which means it's not tired. It's fresh, but it's very hard to start piecing stuff together and find out because you may write something brilliant for a verse and then you have no idea what you're going to do for the course. Yeah. You know, no clue. And you got to come back to it. And so it's a, it's an arduous process, but it's it's well we're finding out it's well worth it. It's we're getting the best out of us that that we've ever had. Yeah. So is Rocklahoma going to be the first time you guys play this stuff live? Or do you have a show before then? 
we have added Optimist and Ghost into the set. Um, we've been playing those since Rocklahoma last year. Okay. Um, Optimist we've had tracked for a little while. Um, we're going to add two, possibly three new songs for Rocklahoma mm-hmm. um, that nobody has ever heard. I know for sure Mask is going to be in there. Mask is brilliant. It's a great song. And to right now it's the best track on the album. Hands down. I'll I'll let you guys hear it here in a little bit. It's got some phasing issues. Don't record it, but I'll let you hear it <laughs> just so I can get your thoughts on it. Um, and then um, probably the other track, One, which is, is really, really good. Um, those two I know for sure will go in a set. The problem is is that you know we do have enough of a fan base that people know what we're going to play, and you only have a certain amount of time to play. So it's like, what do we sacrifice do we sacrifice Down in Flames, which the crowd loves? Do we sacrifice At the Feet of Giants, which the crowd loves? Do we sacrifice When We Fall, which is our closing track that everybody wants to sing back to us? You know, so you start going, I, don't, I can't cut that, I can't cut that, I can't cut that. So now every song needs to be like a punk band, and it's only like two minutes. You know, <laughs> We're just going to play parts of each song so we can play them all. There you go. Like Metallica in the 90s, they just do medleys when they went up. Yeah, either that or we turn it into a Pink Floyd show and we just yeah. we play for six hours <laughs> so. well do you have a, well you said this summer hopefully um, we're looking at hopefully right now tentatively July okay. um, when Rebirth comes out and you know a lot of that's going to be dependent realistically to, in order to hit that and do all the promotion that we need to do for it we're really going to have to finish tracking by mid-May for production, mastering, and hype. Um, the new website will come out uh, probably about mid-April. Um, it'll just be etb, etdband.com. Um, I had eventhedogs.com for eight years, mm-hmm. and I let it lapse. I'd switched credit cards, and I forgot, and I let it lapse, and some private domain guy yeah. snatched it up and wants three grand for it. <laughs> and I called GoDaddy. I'm like, are you serious? I've had this for eight years, and somebody wants $3,000 for it. I'm like, it's a private domain holder. So we're going to switch it to etdband.com. Cool. Cool. Because so, I can't afford $3,000 yeah, for a stupid yeah. domain. Yeah. <laughs> you know, as bad as I want it, I don't want it that bad. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, are you putting out physical product and everything? Yeah, we're going to release it on vinyl, too. Okay. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, we're going to release it on vinyl. Um, that's going to be limited edition. We're going to have a limited edition re- VIP. It's 200 bucks, so it's definitely going to be very VIP. <laughs> um, motorcycle vest, even the dog's motorcycle vest. Um, it will have your name on it, and then it will say fan. And then it will say, it will have like a subdued American flag, the great scale American flag with one green stripe. And then it will say even the dogs. Then the back rockers say even the dogs, Tulsa OK Metal. And then the center patch is two arrows like this. It says ETD with the Oklahoma symbol in it. So 200 bucks, it'll, it can be yours custom done. You know, um, I'll be wearing the prototype on stage at Rocklahoma, even though we're not really a biker style band. I just love the black label society take on that. And I took it to unique stitches and showed her the vest. She's putting it all together for me. And she goes, this is ridiculous. She goes, this is amazing. So I think, and I showed it, showed the prototype to a couple of buddies of mine that are big metal fans, and they were like, "I'm buying it. I'll, I want one right now." I'm like, "You can't have it right now. It's just, I've got to get everything set up. You can't have it yet, but it will be out there. It'll be 200 bucks, and it'll be your size, your custom vest. You know, and so it's a pretty cool deal. But only the diehard fans will get it. 
Yeah. You know, I can't see anybody walking up the merch table going, "Hey, can I get one of those motorcycle bags?" <laughs> <laughs> they can't. They're like, "Really? You want twenty bucks for a t-shirt?" <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so you're putting out Ooh. vinyl. CDs. Vinyl CD, okay. um, everything of course is on all the digital online stores already. Um, it's everywhere you can get it. We're I think we're in thirty one online digital music stores: um, Amazon, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, um, Spotify, or everything. I mean everything. Title. I mean Xbox Music, Sony Music. You name it, it's out there. Yeah. That's the beauty of TuneCore for independent bands. Yeah, your distribution's outstanding. That's great. Yep. So, yeah, but we will have physical. And I'm more excited about the vinyl. I'm a vinyl junkie. Yeah. So I'm more excited about getting the vinyl, really, for me than anybody else. (laughs) Trying to decide if we're going to do, like, since it's rebirth, we're going to do, like, a white vinyl. Oh, yeah. You know, just to make it, you know, kind of cool or or a baby blue vinyl or something. We don't know yet. But that's still in the works. But we do know. We've already got it set up to where we can get vinyl ordered. So we're going to only run probably 100 limited edition vinyl when they're gone they're gone so well going way back how did even the dogs form um even the dogs formed from uh they formed from we myself david who's a bass player and anthony hinton and no and anthony hinton were in a band together called recycled souls um, we were a pretty big regional touring band. Um, pretty much anybody who was going to come through Tulsa, we were going to open for them. It was, we had a lot of success. Even the dogs had run the gamut. I mean, I'm sorry, Recycled Souls had run the gamut. It was time to lay it down gracefully. You know, we'd went through three bassists, three guitarists. It was this constant reinvention in six years time. And it was just, we just got tired and I said, let's do something new. So when we went to put even the dogs together, us three didn't want to break up. We wanted to stay a band, but we knew if we did that, there was going to be this stigma that we were going to be recycled souls reinvented, you know, or recycled souls dot two, you know, and we didn't want to be that. So when we released everything about the announcement for even the dogs, we did not claim any names. It was ETD one on vocal, ETD (laughs) two on drums, ETD three on bass. And we picked up a guitarist that actually had came and auditioned for Recycled Souls, but he wasn't a lead player per se. He was a great rhythm player, very much like Max Cavalera from Solitura. Yeah. Phenomenal rhythm player. He's not a lead guitarist. Just brought some really unique stuff. The funny thing was, is my heart, even the dogs, was going to be more of just kind of like a... Uh, third day kind of just straight ahead acoustic driven rock band that did not happen at all <laughs> and you know because i really i'd sold all my gear i'd sold i was the rhythm guitarist for recycled souls and i had sold all my rigs and you know my metal guitars and my half stacks and all this and it went and bought these really nice um like a line six veta at the time and was just man i was ready acoustic stuff here it comes i'm just gonna get to sing and then in steps um, Jerry Rivera, little Puerto Rican guy who had played with <coughs> Seven Wounds and and a couple other uh, big bands around town, pretty decent Tulsa bands. Dude, metalhead through and through. He goes, hey, check, hey man, check out these reefs. What do you think about yeah. these reefs? And they were just brutal. I was like, oh, I love it. I want to do that. So even the dogs 
found formed because of we all knew each other through different regional bands. Then we came out and we decided to be metal. And then it became that was during the big grindcore phase. And we would get paired with all these grindcore bands and just get our butts handed to us every <laughs> single show because the grindcore scene was so fickle and we were just straight ahead watered down kill switch, you know, watered down seven dust at the time. We were still trying to find our way and find yeah. our sound. We'd walk in there and these guys are in their gym shorts and flip flops and they hadn't showered in six months yeah. and and didn't it half the time they didn't even have all the strings on their guitars and had a keyboard player and they just people would lose their freaking minds for these grindcore bands and we'd chase everybody out of the menu. <laughs> well, they'd leave while we were playing. And then something clicked one day and we found that sound and and that grindcore thing started to die down a little bit and you started to see a little more melodic metal rotate in, bands like All That Remains and Kill Switch started getting a lot of taking a lot of traction and five finger death punch and you know all these guys and then we fit yeah. we just fit so we started playing that scene and 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 it did real well for us and we opened for Brian Head Welch um, came back after getting our butts handed to us at Cornerstone we had showcased for EMI Records and spent a lot of money to go and we sat down for artist development and they said we don't know what you guys were expecting. Well, we kind of expected to talk about whether or not you think we would fit at EMI. No, it doesn't happen anymore. We don't sign people at this. We just wanted to get you guys 500 bucks just to pay for the stage, you know, and all the bands that are on here. So, you know, go out, go do grassroots, go live in people's living room floors and <laughs> two or 300 shows a year and it'll happen for you. But we don't sign people at shows. So we came back and we, we thought, you know what, are we going to continue doing this, you know, or are we going to, you know, just because we love it or we done, you know, it's, I'm tired of the industry telling us one thing and doing another. And we went out to a place called In the Field Festival and Brian Head Welch was there and we got him, we were told we were going to, at the time that we were going to open for him in direct support. We get stuck in the middle of the day. Like oh, wow. two o'clock in the afternoon, it's 96 degrees outside. It's humid as all get out because it had been raining half the day and everybody is sitting in the stands. It's about 4,000 people there, but they're all sitting in the stands like a hundred yards away from the stage. Wow. <laughs> By the end of our set, all 4,000 people were in front of the stage and singing and shouting the lyrics of the song back to us. Our guitar player sets his guitar down and walks over and starts throwing up from heat exhaustion. We sold out of every piece of merchandise we had that day. We're throwing stuff in the trailer. We're exhausted because we played in Stillwater the night before. Didn't get home till 3 a.m. Had to be on the in the field festival by 8 a.m. So we're tired. Ugh. This guy walks up to me. He said, can I ask you a question? I said, sure. So you guys signed. We had just gotten told at Cornerstone <laughs> this doesn't happen. So the only time in my life that I have ever been cynical. And I turned around and said, look, man, I don't mean any disrespect. I'm tired, I'm hot, I'm fed up, and I want to go home. I said, so we appreciate the fact that this isn't my first rodeo. Don't talk to me about being signed. That crap doesn't happen to anybody. Turn around, throw the stuff in the van. And he said, you ever heard of the band Iron Maiden? I turned around and said, I'm listening. (laughs) He said, well, I've worked with them, and I've worked with these guys, and I represent Brian Head Welch, and I own Driven Music Group, and our distribution is through ADA Warner, and... I'm going to tell you, Eddie, he said that was the most flawless set I've ever seen a band play. 
And he said, and I've seen a lot of bands. We'd like to offer you a record deal. Wow. I was like, whatever. <laughs> so we go back and I go tell the guys. And now the buzz is getting around the festival that we've been approached about being signed. And people are, we're still trying to wrap our head around it. And he walks over to me and puts his hand on my shoulder. And he said, this is real. He said, two weeks, you will have a contract in your email. I said, okay. Two weeks to the dot. There was a contract in the email from Driven Music Group. We opened for Brian several times, and you know we we signed that deal. It was a three album deal. We ended up walking away after one because yeah. there were some breach of contract issues, and it wasn't Brian's fault. Brian is an amazing guy, and you know I would still consider him a friend. He was just partnered with some people he shouldn't have been. Yeah, he took advantage of the bands that were there, people like Flotsam and Jetsam, um, you know, and, and some other people like that, and. Uh, we got them on breach and we walked away and recorded They'll Never See It Coming. Now, during this time, we had lost our guitarist of six years. His heart was broken that we weren't rock stars and that we weren't going to be 100% supporting ourselves because of music. And so we went through the hunt and we found our guitarist that we have. We decided to go from a four-piece to a five-piece. We said, we need that diversity. We need two guitarists on stage. Picked up Christian, actually played with his father, who is probably one of the best bass players in the state of Oklahoma. Yeah. And so I got to play with a second generation Connor, which was really cool. And we picked up Blaine. And Blaine brought the dynamic that we are now. And so we released They'll Never See It Coming. All five singles charted on internet radio, um, including At the Feet of Giants was number one for six weeks. Very critically acclaimed. Um, lots of critical acclaim all over the country. And we started doing bigger festivals like Midwest Rock Fest, Sunshine, Cornerstone, Rocklahoma, you know, started doing things like that. So as an independent band, we had found our way, you know. So we could still have our careers and be career guys, husbands, and yeah. and have mortgages and lives and kids and families. And then on the weekends, we get to go live the dream, you know. So there was that good balance that was there. So that's kind of a full story of even the dogs. It was really a six year evolution into where we are right now. And I think right now we are better than we've ever been. So we're writing better music. We're tighter friends. We're, we're more cohesive as a unit on stage. And we have only had the guitar positions turned over three times, but drum position only turned over once. Um, Anthony left and went on to screaming red mutiny. Um, and, you know, he was with the Joint Effect for a little while, and we brought in Breezy Robinson um, from Zero Theist and Greater Than Zero and a couple other pretty big bands out of the Oklahoma City area. He's a he's solid, he's a good drummer. Yeah. And he's black, so we got to keep the black drummer thing. <laughs> <laughs> We're an equal opportunity employer. <laughs> so after Rebirth comes out, are you guys looking to... We'll tour hard. Yeah, we're going to tour hard behind it. The thing is, is that we're kind of missing that window, and that's what kind of sucks. It would have been good to have Rebirth done and out by winter because that's whenever you pick up your summer tour dates. Summer is when you really tour. It's when you you should be booked right now for all the big festivals that are coming up. So we're probably going to miss that, but I think we're going to ride the wave of rebirth into the 2017 tour season. Okay. And, you know, I think because realistically, and what we're, we're probably going to do to follow up rebirth is we're actually, we're getting a lot of requests to do an acoustic EP, to do an unplugged EP. 
and we've done a few acoustic sets as of late, and they've been extremely well received. Um, we just did one last weekend, okay. um, and it was. They were like, "When are you going to release this?" So I think we will either take and release like Rebirth version two with like an alternate album cover, and it'll be all acoustic, or we're going to go back and pick the songs we really like and do them as an EP for acoustic. But we'll probably release a full length and an acoustic EP and then try to probably do EPs like once every six months so that we can keep music in people's face. Yeah. You know, because realistically, the full lengths, they take too long, you know, too time consuming, especially when you don't write any more than what we do. You know, it's we're not on a tour bus. We're not trapped on a bus where we have nothing else to do <laughs> or write or do drugs and we don't do drugs. So it's not like we can not like we can, you know, I'm not getting the lane not getting the Lane Staley influences or the <laughs> Scott Wylands or any of those kinds of things. I'd be like, well, let me do heroin. I can write a lot of stuff, you know, <laughs> even though they're two massive influences for me. You know, we're not, we don't have those luxuries. Of, you know, we're spread out, so we don't get to write. When we get together, we've got to rehearse for shows. Yeah. You know, okay. so we don't ever really get writing sessions, so to speak. How was it difficult to strip those songs down the first time or arrange them acoustically? First time you did it? Yeah, it was the funny thing was we did them pretty much improv. We didn't rehearse them. Yeah, <laughs> no, we didn't. I found the melody lines and and all that because you know you're taking and transposing screaming parts to yeah. to vocal parts. And I'm telling you, man, I had to buckle my seatbelt because there were some things. Even though we're playing the the integrity of the songs right now when we do them for acoustic sets, are still pretty much the same. They're just played acoustically. When we record them, there we're going to completely change the arrangement on them that's I mean cool. yeah so they will be legitimate alternate versions of them that's going to be a lot of fun I yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to that to really getting in and rearranging the songs maybe even taking and doing some key changes in there because you know we, we play in either drop B or drop C well if you're playing acoustically in drop B you lose all your melody it's just it sounds like you're playing on slinky strings <laughs> you know so we, we will transpose those up to C or even D um, whenever we do them acoustically so that you can get some semblance of, of melody, yeah. you know, in there for, to be able to do it. Because if not, you're barring drop B on an acoustic and every chord sounds the exact same, you know, so you sound like you're droning is all you're doing. It's like, oh, I know he switched, you know, he's went up the neck and it all sounds the exact same. So our bass player is a pretty accomplished, um, acoustic player. And he does some really cool alternate renditions of our stuff. We just didn't have time to do them for the acoustic shows. But I said, remember that stuff so that we can record it that way. Because I, I like it. It's It'll shock people because they won't be expecting it. It'll go completely stone sour and be just completely opposite of what the electric versions are. Nice. Right. <clears throat> I saw recently you guys did a show at Street School. Yeah. Like what's, or what is that exactly? Or Street school, my career, what I do is I'm I'm a director of business development for disaster restoration. So I've been out all day on this tour of stuff. Um, So, but I do really big commercial relationships. Well, part of that is I'm in these networking groups and all this. And I met um, Kelly Painter, who is the assistant general manager of Cox Business Center. Well, that's a Cox Business Center and BOK Center is a relationship of mine for disaster stuff. Kelly was talking, we were talking, and I just somehow got talking about the band. And really, we have a heart for youth. We have a heart for, like I said, this doom and gloom genre. These kids, right now, metal is really underground right now. It's with the exception of a few bands 
you know, like Avenged Sevenfold and Five Finger and Disturbed that are getting some mainstream radio play. But for the most part, metals kind of went back down underground. And these kids now have become where they were on top of the world when metal was a big thing with, you know, Slipknot and, and everybody. Now it's back underground and they're outcasts again. So we really embrace the youth. That's why we take the role model aspect of what we do so seriously and try to be that positive influence like one of our songs, Personal Hell, is about domestic violence, you know, written through the eyes of a child. We have a very staunch stance on domestic violence. We're very big on anti-domestic violence. And I got approached, Kelly, I was telling this all to Kelly, and Kelly goes, you know, she goes, I'm plugged in with street school. She goes, I think you should go be a mentor at street school. She goes, you're a successful professional. You're tattooed, engaged, and, and all this stuff, and, and really break the molds of that, and you still get to go do things like Rocklahoma and play these big shows, play with these signed bands, these big signed bands. And I said, I'd love to, because I have boys, you know, and, and through all of this crazy musical life that I've had, I've never forsaken my family. Not once. My family has always been first, and that was one of the discussions we had with the label. Yeah. They wanted to put us on the road for 300 shows a year. I said, absolutely not. I will not be away from my family. They need a dad. My wife needs a husband. We will do this many shows a year, and we'll do them on our terms, or again, I don't need you. you know. And they were good with that. They loved the fact that we were so family-driven. So, you know, I, I told this all to Kelly, and we went and we met with street school, and I met with a lady by the name of Jana Emerson, and she said, so you got a band? And I was like, yeah, and started telling her about the band, and she, she's like, God, wouldn't it be crazy if you could come play for our kids? I'm like, seriously? She's like, oh, you wouldn't do anything like that, would you? I'm like, we would be here with bells on <laughs> to do that. Street school are kids that are troubled. They either were not allowed to be back in public or private school sector. Parents could be potentially addicted to drugs or alcohol or they're in prison. But these kids want to be in school to better their lives. But they can't go back to traditional school systems. So they created street school. And there have been very big, high influential, influential people that have come from street school. So these kids want to be there. It's not like they're forced to go to street school and, you know, so you're dealing with all these indigent kids. That's not what it is. So I said, well, what if we come in and we play? And I said, now, are you sure you really want us to do this? And I put our phone out there. I'm like, this is what we sound like. And I think <laughs> we're going to incite a riot is what's going to happen. And because they've always had people like flamenco guitarists yeah. or, you know, gospel singers or things like that. I'm like, you never had a metal show at street school. And I'm telling you, we are an intense band to see live. I don't know if you want to go this route. And she goes, no, we do. These kids love that stuff. She goes, so what would you talk about? And we got up there and we did our show. And to see those kids' faces, and they just lined up to come talk to us when we were done and wanted to know about our lives. And, you know, because our whole message was don't let your past dictate your future. Yeah. You know, don't buy into the excuses and what everybody tells you you are. You, the control starts with you, and you have control. I signed my record deal at 40 years old when everybody told me, you can't. I have a wife, I have three kids, I have a mortgage and a career. The record companies don't want you. And I proved them all wrong. You know, and I'm still doing it at 47. 
you know, I'm still doing this, even though the guys in my band are in my 20s, they keep me young. <laughs> I just feel it the next day, you know, whatever. <laughs> but, you know, I don't buy into that. I can't crap. I just don't. You can do anything you set your mind to. So that was really our message that we told these kids. It'd be like, change starts with you. You're worth it. You know, you are worth it. And man, you should have just seen these kids' faces. Yeah. It was incredible because we took time out of what we do for them. And it was, they just were, Jana was just in awe of the way we connected with those kids. And, you know, that's really what it's about. We can play these big shows and play in front of thousands. And I'm going to tell you right now, I've been on both sides of the fence. Anybody can walk out onto a stage in front of 10,000 people and go, How you doing, Tulsa? And everybody goes freaking nuts. You walk out and do that crap in front of 20. Then you have to be an entertainer. <laughs> then you have to know how to work a crowd, manipulate a crowd, and engage a crowd. So, you know, it's, it's I get more out of playing those little shows than I do the big shows. No, don't get me wrong. I, I need to play the big shows. That's got to happen. You know, I, I have to play the big shows because there is something that is just surreal about being able to walk out there and have 10,000 people in the ball in your hand. Yeah. You know, that's, that's a whole different ball game. But it definitely makes you appreciate those big shows when you walk out in front of 20. Yeah. You know, and be like, how you doing, Tulsa? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or how you doing, Kansas City? Play some Freebird. <laughs> Shut up. Every show. Every show. Yep. Oh, God. Here we go. <laughs> Random note. Did you see, like, just a couple days ago? Metal Injection, one of those things, posted a clip of Slayer playing Freebird oh, in the yeah. soundtrack. Are you serious? They said, you know, yeah. the two most common things people scream at shows are Freebird or Slayer. And Slayer didn't make the world implode when they actually played Freebird. But. My ba- my bass player's <laughs> favorite thing to vocal warrant whenever we're doing sound checks on the mics is to sing Let It Go. <laughs> or, awesome. um... You want to build a snowman? He'll do, that's what he always does. And he's the he's another, he's a backup screamer. He doesn't sing. So the crazy thing is, is that whenever we do those checks, you know, in my ears, he's all nice and fine. And then the show starts and I've got to dial him down because he's screaming. I'm like, do it full voice. So one day he walked up to the mic. He's like, do you want to build a snowman? Yes. <laughs> Well, um, you know, as yourself or as a band, who who are some of you guys as like influences or, you know, your favorites that you just you got to listen to every time? Oh God, I I hate I hate to say it, but I mean, me personally, it's Killswitch. Yeah, you know, it's Killswitch Engage. I am so my vocal influences are a dead mix between Howard and Jesse, um, and Lejean Witherspoon from Seven Dust. Okay. I love that soulful yeah. sound that that man has. I think he's always been all the way back to black and. You know, the first album has been a massive influence oh, yeah. on me. Um, and I'm a huge writing and vocal fan of Corey Taylor. You know, he's, to me, probably the top of the game and top of the food chain when it comes to what a metal vocalist can be. The versatility that he has and the writing that this guy does is is it's poetic and it's incredible. Um, you know, our bass player airs more towards, and he'll, he'll hate me for this, airs more towards like Fallout Boy, Rise Against, more of the pop punk, punkish style of things. Um, our lead guitarist is influenced real heavily by um, blues and, and rock and yeah. even some country, um, but also to the periphery and more of the technical side of metal. Um, 
our drummers all over the place. Yeah. Um, and then our rhythm guitarist, Christian Connor is influenced by bands I've never heard of. <laughs> he introduces me to more new music than anybody I've ever seen in my entire life. He will bring out his vinyl and be like, I don't even know who that is, yeah. you know? And so, but a very eclectic, um, kind of like the bands you'd go see at the sound pony or the Yeti or, uh, you know, those kinds of things. He's, but he's the most intense performer of us all. You know, he holds down the right side of the stage like nobody's busy. I have to watch for him because he's going to kill me with his guitar. <laughs> Never seen anybody because he's so quiet and so reserved. And you meet him and you're like, hey, Christian, you know, how you doing? You're on an interview and he's like, hi. You know, and on stage he's a monster. An absolute monster, like total Jekyll and Hyde. So, But yeah, his bands that he listens to, God, I can't even, I can't even pull them out. I have no idea. They're just all over the place. I mean, very eclectic and, and all that. But now when it comes to listening, I listen to everything. I'm influenced by everything. And my favorite genre of music is Motown, hands down. I will be on, we'll be out on tour and we'll pull up and I'll be jamming Motown. <laughs> People don't get it. They just don't get it. But back then is when music, you did it in one take. You had to do yeah. it right. It was music you could feel. It was it was music that was emotive and it was raw and you know stuff like old even all the way up to stuff like old Stevie Ray Vaughan and things like that where you could hear the emotion and the passion that they were putting like his rendition of Hendrix's Voodoo Child is one of my go tos one of the greatest musical prowess situations I've ever heard to watch that BBC performance of him doing that our Austin City Limits performance of him doing Voodoo Child is mind boggling you know and I think that you're starting to see a little bit of that come back but for the most part music has lost that it is production and money maker and you just don't hear the the passion and the and the just the all out just emotion being poured into music hardly anymore and we're trying to bring a little bit of that back and to be real honest with you, the two people that I think that are the best at it in metal right now are Jesse and Corey. Yeah. You know, Jesse's writing is stellar and Corey's writing is stellar. You know, so I I am moved by the things they write. Yeah. You know, and that's you don't find that a lot in our genre, unfortunately. No. Find great musicians and absolutely mind blowing musicianship, but you just don't find that. Just those songs that just jerk your heart out and throw it on the table and beat it with a hammer and hand it back to you in a bloody mess and you're sitting there with big tears streaming <laughs> down your face going, my God, they just pulled every heartstring I had. You know, and you can do that in metal and people don't realize that. Yeah. And But Corey and Jesse are masters at it. Yeah. What do you think of Incarnate? From Kill Switch? Um, I'm going to tell you right now that Hate by Design is one of the greatest songs I've ever heard. <laughs> I heard that track. I think... Again, I, I will defer as much as I'm a fan of Howard Jones. Just mainly because I've seen him so many times live and to hear that guy is stronger at the end of the set than he was to start the set and those that rich tone that he has, that big, massive, rich, soulful tone in his voice. Biggest vocal influence, hands down, for me. But when it comes to writing, I'm, you know, Jesse is... is just in in my opinion is the greatest writer in metal the, yeah. the stuff his lyrical content is just incredible and hate by design was like it sounded like something we would have written yeah. you know and so hate by design is one of my all-time favorite kill switch songs period 
hands down. And it's it's the album as a whole. I think is pretty good. Um, I have to listen to something over and over and over before I'm just totally bought in. You know, yeah. and I've only listened to Incarnate maybe ten times so far. Yeah. You know, mainly when I'm working out, so it's more kind of just background music. <clears throat> but I think it's good. I don't. I'm right now. I don't know that I would say it's as good as the last album, but I think it's it's close. That's kind of what I hear from most people. Yeah, you know, the last yeah. album was stellar. Yeah, like I really was very skeptical about Jesse coming back, and, but I'm a huge Times of Grace fan. Loved what they he did with Adam on that. Thought that was brilliant, yeah. and um, I was a little skeptical because I was such a Howard fan, and you know, I I didn't consider Jesse as strong of a vocalist as Howard. Man, he flat proved it wrong with the last album they did. It was exceptional. Yeah. Maybe he maybe he needed some of that time off to, you know, mature in whatever way. You know. Yeah, because I'm not hearing a lot from from Howard's group. Yeah. You know, I mean, they're out there, they're doing stuff, but I don't hear a lot from them. You know, do you like it? Yeah, I'm. It's it, but I'm biased. I'm always going to be a fan of him, you know. Right. So I'm. I'm going to follow him. I was a fan of his with Blood Has Been Shed, and then I was a, you know, a fan of his with this. I mean, he brought his drummer from Blood Has Been Shed into Kill Switch, and then he stayed. And Howard's gone, you know, and Howard struggled with whatever he had to struggle with, and and you know now he's back doing what he does, and I like it. Do I listen to it very often? Not really. Um, I'm actually right now the the metal stuff I'm off deep into is super heavy. You know, it's everything from Whitechapel within the ruins, um, even Attila. You know, and and just some crazy technical stuff right now. The new Periphery album is unfreaking believable. You know, so I like the more technical side of it, the math metal side of it. Right now, I'm I'm <laughs> digging that because you know it's it's just it's challenging. You know, it challenges you to sit there and go, I do not understand how they just did what they just did. <laughs> Animals as leaders, you know, bands Oh, like yeah, that. That, that guy's nuts, man. That, yeah. That stuff is crazy. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Protest the hero, you know, all that is just absolutely. But Whitechapel is, I've been off deep into them for a little while. They're so good. That is just brutality at its best. Love it. His, I love his vocal, love their writing style. Yeah. Just saws the laws. Oh, wow. What an album. <laughs> What an album! Mm. Nice. <laughs> right on, right on. Well, when you're young, what was the was Motown the first thing that got you into music? Nope, or Kiss. Okay. Yeah, it was. I sat on the bedroom floor <laughs> with my best friend and his older brother had Destroyer on vinyl, and <laughs> I was five years old, and five or six years old, and he goes, "Look at this," and I was like, "Oh my god!" I was just blown away. Kiss is still my all-time favorite band, not because they're they're musical juggernauts you know it's but from a marketing standpoint they're the most iconic band in the history of music kiss literally can live forever you know they can they there have been shows that gene wasn't on stage and his (laughs) bass tech was and there's no reason that they can't continue that iconic deal for the forever i mean it, it can be immortal he claims it's gonna happen oh yeah they yeah have plans too yeah and i've seen them and, and i've seen them <laughs> multiple times and i'll tell you what their show rivals anybody yeah. you know and for guys that are in their 60s i mean you know it's it, there's still guys that are still doing it well you know the rolling stones and, and kiss and even rob halford you yeah. know his new album is with yeah. judas priest is outstanding yeah. it's yeah. it's very reminiscent of you know, shades of British steel and screaming for vengeance and, you know, things like that. But kiss was who did it for me. 
and and I followed them and was it was really more the look than anything else and then whenever I started playing music it was the 80s metal stuff you know I'll never forget first time I heard Round and Round by Rat on the radio and was like this is not your dad's music you know <laughs> Quiet Riot and the Scorpions and went to every show that come to Tulsa and you know David Lee Roth and Cinderella and just went off deep into all that stuff and then I found the heavier side of life went bands like Sepultura, Malevolent Creation, and you know things like that. So it was. It's, I've kind of run the gamut. Death Angel, and you know, got into the heavier side of things, and that's just kind of. I just love music, love it. There's, there's even country. You know, yeah. I, I can listen to it. I don't listen to it on a regular basis, but I can listen to it. All right, hold on. <laughs> yeah, take your time. Oh. Mine, his spot. I parked a motorcycle <laughs> out there. Okay. <laughs> so, what about you guys? I see this iced earth and hate breed, and uh, yeah. like, what are you into? Um, I'm, I'm like a, uh, I don't know. I started out kind of like you with the, all the hair bands and stuff, and then found Metallica and stuff. I'm a big four guy, and then I go, and then I'm real classic metal. I love Merciful Fate, Saxon, Priest, Maiden. Those are like my main. You know. Saxon, man, you pulled that one out. Oh, it's, you don't hear many and, people and, talk about Saxon anymore. And the thing is, is I have to admittedly tell you, I didn't even really get real familiar with them until maybe ten years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, and then once I did, I was like, where where have I been for the last you know twenty years? So did you go to Maiden? <clears throat> oh yeah, 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 yeah. That was epic. That um, was to see that guy run around that stage <laughs> and hit the notes that he hit. Yeah. Lord me. I mean, he was... I never heard him hit a bad note. Yeah. I was sitting in section 122, and I was only about 10 rows up, <laughs> and had just... I mean, I could not stop snapping pictures. I could, yeah. It was mind-blowing how good they were. Oh, dude, I'm telling you, I had... I didn't get my tickets to late. I got very back row, way up there, and I was up against the wall, and it was still... Amazing. Yeah, their their I mean, visual projected, representation I mean, was, was so insane. good. They're changing all the backdrops, and yeah. I was taking pictures. Oh, there's a new one. I mean, yeah, I'm taking pictures of all that stuff. It was really they do it at a level that yeah. I'm just so glad they chose Tulsa. Oh yeah, so glad. Yeah. And then I hear GNR is going to skip. They're going to go to Dallas and Kansas City and St. Louis. They're yeah. not coming to, to Tulsa. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. But I think they're just doing football stadiums. Well, I heard there's a good possibility that Axel is going to step in for Brian Johnson to finish out the yeah, ACDC thing. That's a big rumor, too. Because Brian was told he's going to go deaf. I could go do Brian Johnson. I can do ACDC. <laughs> best of them, man. It would be so fun. I would have so much fun because that is that is one of the most iconic bands in the history of music. He is a riff master. Yeah. yeah we love him or hate him. Even Rednecks like, yeah. like freaking ACDC. <laughs> I mean, they're doing something right. <laughs> but no, I agree with you. It is I cut my teeth on on that style of metal, yeah. you know, and you know Metallica, Megadeth. Um, I never was a really too big Merciful Fate fan or King Diamond fan. Um, never got into Venom, um, you know, and and that kind of stuff. But I was really more geared towards the eighties, yeah. you know, style the the glam metal type stuff. I loved it. All oh of it. yeah, I'm I'm still we're still huge hair band fans, and we're not even ashamed of it. Yeah, mine were like the more God. obscure stuff. The bands to me that came out at the end, right as grunge was coming in, were the best. Yeah, bands like Hurricane Alice, Slick Toxic, um, oh God, Cry Wolf. 
Um, you know, all these Blue Murder, you know, they came out right there at the end. They were the best of the bands. And I was like, um, Heaven's Edge and, you know, all these guys. I was like, oh, Sleazebees. Yeah, I'm like, seriously? You guys come out now? You would have kicked the crap out of Poison, Motley Crue. One of my favorite bands ever was Wildside. And um, Hardline was just freaking unbelievable. Wore that that album album out many times over. Um, but all those bands were just the best of the best, and they got no exposure. Yeah. I actually have a playlist on YouTube called um, Hair Metal Came Too Late. And <laughs> it's all those bands. That's awesome. And it was, I, it's my favorite of all the music, you know, of all that era. It's my favorite because they came out right as Nirvana was starting yeah. to break. Well, and then like look at South Gang, and then look at Butch Walker now, you know. What's he do now? He's like, he had Marvels 3, he writes for all these, like, you know, all the big pop, pink, and all those, and all this kind of stuff. Really? Yeah, and he does does a lot of solo stuff, which is, like, not, I've forgotten about Southgate. Taiketo. Oh, Taiketo. I hung out with Danny Vaughn whenever he came to Tulsa, and he was telling me, I'm like, what are you, like, 24? He goes, dude, I'm 37. I'm like, really? He goes, yeah, but we don't tell anybody that. But yeah, um, Taiketo like was for Nelson or something. Yep, that was it. Uh-huh. Yep, it was it was Firehouse, Taiketo, and Nelson. Oh man, yep. Firehouse! I love Firehouse. Yeah, oh, man, it was all those bands, man, that were just exceptional, and they just too little, too late. Yeah. Steelheart. Yep, that's the another Steelheart. Yeah, yeah. Michael Matajarek yeah. was total stud, absolute total stud. I'll never forget. I was in a hotel room, first time I heard. I'll never let you go. I saw the music video on Headbangers Ball, and he leans back in that hair, and he's hitting that last note, and I am just like, <laughs> oh, my God. It was like, because, you know, Mark Slaughter, love him, loved him with Vinnie Vincent Invasion, him and, Denny, and Dana Strum, but loved Slaughter, but there was something about him vocally that I knew he couldn't do it live. You know, I was like, I know, but then, but I knew Michael could. You know, yeah. and I saw Steelheart, and he was hitting note for yeah. note. Now, when he came to Rocklahoma, he was not on his A game <laughs> at all. But it was, but in the day, God. And then he came out with the Rockstar stuff on the Rockstar soundtrack, oh, yeah. and that yeah. was outstanding. Yeah. yeah, that stuff was awesome. Yep. So that was yeah. But I'm I'm right there with you when it comes to all that. It is that's my favorite style yeah. of music, hands oh, down. Definitely. So real quick. Uh, I've noticed on your Facebook looks just like his. You guys are huge Broncos fans, huge Cena yes. fans. Go get it over with. Yep. You know? <laughs> I was a Broncos fan back when it was Orange Crush defense, and they lost the four Super Bowls that they lost. I've been a fan since then. When Kubiak <laughs> was the quarterback, Craig yeah, yeah, Craig Morton, Gary Kubiak, Carl Mecklenburg. You know, way back in the day. Um, then I bought the Broncos back-to-back Super Bowl championship commemorative leather jacket um, oh, yeah. from Wilson's. I have it as blue leather. I have that. But I've been a, I earned my Bronco fandom, and I've been a Sooners fan since I was a kid. But when I went to the University of Oklahoma, it was during Gibbs, Blake, and Schnellenberger. So I was a student sitting in a student section going, you have got to freaking be kidding me. This is not what I signed up for. But I went to school with Cale Gundy and, and Milton Overton and Aubrey Beavers and you know, all these guys, and, and they were terrible. So, but my kid, my oldest son, is a soccer player for the University of Oklahoma. Awesome. Um, he's a junior up there, and he's going to school. And, you know, like father, like son, he went to he went to OU. And, you know, I just got my season tickets this year. So, um, I was sitting by a guy that was uh, going to give – he was going to sell me his two. He had 
older children. He's an attorney. And I bought a pair of tickets from him off Craigslist. And we got to talking and we hit it off. And he goes, well, I've got two extra season tickets. Do you want them? I'll just sell them to you. I was like, oh, yeah. I love the seats. Love the company. You know, you're a great guy. He's a huge OU fan. He wants to talk football. He wouldn't don't want to sit there and talk about stupid stuff. I am fanatical about Oklahoma football. Do not talk to me about anything but football if it's an Oklahoma game. I'm telling you right now, <laughs> I will throw you out of my house. <laughs> you know, and it's, it is, um, and he goes, well, he goes, but the only thing is you can't have the Ohio State tickets because my kids want those. And I'm like, well, I don't want your tickets then. That's the only <laughs> So, and then fortunately I came up, I'd been on the list for like eight years. Yeah. Um, and they called me up and said, hey, we have season tickets. Um, how many do you want? And I was like, I'll, I'll do two. And, so I'll have those. I pick my seats in May, and and finally a season ticket holder and ecstatic. That's awesome. Nothing greater than being yeah. down there on a Saturday in life. I it, yeah. I'll even trump being on stage for that. It's that is just the greatest environment in the history of mankind. But I earned my I, I'm an alum, and I earned my Sooner fandom. I'm not a bandwagon fan, you know, like a lot of people are, you know. And I desperately despise Oklahoma State. <laughs> So, <laughs> so nice. yeah, I can't. I, I know that's a bad thing. <laughs> Ironically, my lead guitarist, his wife, my bass player, and his wife all went to OSU. God, crap! I know, right? Bedlam is a blast. So, because <laughs> I am outnumbered in my own house whenever Bedlam happens. So, so what about you, Broncos fan? For how long? Since I can remember, probably eighty six, eighty seven. Whenever. You know, I was like when I started getting football when I was like 10. Mm-hmm. And I assume, I can't really pinpoint it, but I assume it's probably because they were going to the Super Bowl. You know how kids are. Yeah. You don't have a favorite team because there's not one in your town. It's just whoever's good. Yeah, and I, I refuse to like Dallas. So <laughs> I just refuse because yeah. when I was a little kid, I was a Steeler fan. So And then Bradshaw, you know, all the Mean Joe Green, all those guys. Yeah. yeah. My dad's been a Dallas fan since they started. Yeah. That's, 60 or whatever that was. My dad forbade it, so I couldn't be a Dallas fan. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, you will not be a Cowboy fan and live in this house. And when you're like five, that hits home. You know, I don't know where I'm going to (laughs) live. You're packing your Ninja Turtles bag so that you can. (laughs) (laughs) And then then Sooner, same way? Yeah. Just since you were a kid? Yeah. That was kind of off and on. You know, I wasn't ever diehard when I was a kid. But kind of when I got in my teens and got more into college football. Kind of did, and then I went there, and I was there during the John Blake years. Okay, so we were there kind of same time. Yeah, yeah. And it was what year? Do what year did you get out? I was. I was ninety five. From ninety six to ninety nine. Okay. And then I transferred to OSU. Oh my God! You transferred to OSU national championship year, didn't <laughs> yeah. you? Oh yeah. no! <laughs> you know, it was Stoops' first year. Oh, was it? So yeah, well, they won 2000. And then the next year he won, yeah. Okay. I was like, oh, my God, man. That's like blasphemous, dude. That's. <laughs> but I, I walked around OSU campus where I know you stuff. And there you go. At least you're, repre- at least you're yeah. representing. That's all I'm talking about. Yeah, because yeah, we used to play shows in these little bars and stuff in Stillwater and stuff all the time. and. I'd, inevitably, I'd be like, we're playing a store and wearing my OU hat on stage. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, don't do My bass player's like, don't do that, man. i got to go to school here. I'm like, that's your fault. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> Love it. Are you a sports fan? Uh, I'm not as uh, into it. I'm a big baseball fan. Oh, yeah. Well, then it's coming into your time yeah. of year. Oh, yeah. yeah. Astros. I've loved the Astros forever. Not just now that they're good again. Well, my so. very first professional sporting event, you'll love this, that I ever got to attend was last summer. 
Never attended a professional event. I yeah. swore I will never go. Now, here's the deal. My ex-guitar player from my cover band is the primary orthotics guy and brace builder for the Chiefs. Wow. So he's like, you can have tickets to any game you want. Just call me. And I've never went up there and seen the Broncos play. And what? here's why. Because I refuse to see the Broncos for the first time until I see them at Inverness Field. Yeah. And so I never went to a professional sporting event. I haven't went and seen the Thunder, any of that. But my first professional event was the Cubs at Wrigley Field last summer. Wow. That's awesome. <laughs> it was, they the seventh inning stretch yeah. to do all that. It was really, and I'm not a baseball fan. Yeah. I'm not. It's, it's, I appreciate it, but I'm not, a, I'm just, baseball to me, it's just too slow for me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like watching golf for me. Yeah. And it's, I want to watch the highlights. And that's it. Yeah. Kind of like NASCAR. I just want to watch a wrap. Oh, yeah. So, um, but it was exciting yeah. to be there and to be in that environment. And I was in a suite, you know, with our company. And, and it was a lot of fun to yeah. be at that legendary field. And Yeah, it's a great vibe. Yeah, so I dug it. It was it was really cool. So that's, that's the one and only professional sporting event I've ever been to. Nice. nice. Everything else has been collegiate. <laughs> well, yeah, cool, I saw man. the Broncos once at Mile High. <laughs> Oh wow! I've been in, I've been there three or four times, but seen games. Yeah, nice. But I mean, the old Mile High. I only got to go once. But. Well, I drove. We drove by. We were on tour, and we were up in Denver um, on tour. And I drove by the field. I didn't get to stop or go in, <laughs> but I drove by it, and I was in heaven. I was like, oh, this is so yeah, cool. the highway goes right back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We were up. Um, we were up in Johnstown, uh, Colorado, which is right up by Wisconsin. And is it Wisconsin or Wyoming? Wyoming. Wyoming. Yeah, right up by Wyoming. And we were just like 45 minutes north, and the guy that we were playing a club up there, and he was a big biker guy, and his name was Dana. Like, <laughs> biker named Dana. And he had this big old beard, and he had this big, you know, freaking ape hangers on his bike and stuff. And he goes, take that bike up through the mountains. And I was like, it's a fifty thousand dollar motorcycle. If I, I don't, I've never ridden one with ape hangers before. He goes, oh, that's cool, man. He grabs them, they're ratcheting, so you could pull them down. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> now I'm ready. <laughs> so took my wife and we went up, <clears throat> took his fifty thousand dollar motorcycle up through the mountains, and he just trusted me. He's like, here you go, just don't wreck it. I'm like, yeah, no pressure there. Yeah. <laughs> what if a deer run? What if a bear runs out in front of me? Am I? Is it okay to hit it? <laughs> Don't ruin my bike, man. Yeah. I'm not paying you to play if you ruin my bike. Yeah. <laughs> he was awesome. I loved him. He was a great guy. Well, so anything else, gentlemen? I think that about does it. All right, man. We appreciate it. No, thank you. You guys are awesome. There you go. Eddie Green from Even the Dogs. Solid guy. Solid interview. This band is great. Very professional band. Great sound. They got this album coming out later this year that, you know, I really think is going to put them places because they've just got that vibe to them and they uh the other thing was there towards the end of the, i think he mentioned an interview but after the interview he let us hear five or six of the songs like snippets of them yeah crazy stuff man yeah and like he mentioned it's all over the board as far as styles but it still has you know it sounds like them it's got his vocals it's just a good good mix of stuff i'm really looking forward to hearing this this thing once it's ready to go yeah, I mean, they, you know, they're they're heavy, they're fast. Uh, you know, you feel, you know, you listen to a few of their songs, you feel like you've been jogging for a while. Yeah, <laughs> at least I do. Yeah, uh, and and I gotta say, just as in with this intro, uh, during that interview, I was up against some kind of cold, allergy, cough kind of thing. So apologize for all the hacking. That was me. 
<laughs> just, uh, you know, ignore that. Hashtag no hacking. That's right. Well, once again, thanks to Eddie for taking the time out to sit down and do that interview with us. Thanks for letting us play the optimist and look forward to hearing more from these guys coming this summer, like we said. Damn right. And seeing them live at Rocklahoma. Yes. On the Axis stage. We don't know the day yet, but we'll be there. Oh, yeah. Well, if this is your first time listening, hit us up, thethunderunderground.com. We've got all our previous 52 podcasts on there. We've got reviews up for all kinds of independent and national stuff. There's even a uh, even the dogs review that Jason wrote like 10 months ago. Yeah. It was one of the first things I think we put up there, actually. Yeah, it is. And we've got Facebook at... Facebook.com backslash The Thunder Underground. We're on YouTube at The Thunder Underground and Periscope at Thunder Underground. And Twitter, THNDR, UNDR Ground. And if you've got a band and you want us to play some music, The Thunder Underground at gmail.com. Or that's just our email. Send us anything you want. Yeah, send us, you know, MP3. Send us a link to your band camp or whatever. You know, get on it. Yep. Well, do we got anything else we need to talk about before we... <clears throat> Say see you on 53? or Yeah, gonna... I, think, I think we got that one wrapped up. All right, well, until next time. Later on. Thunder Underground, y'all. <laughs>